Now entering the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Yeah. Welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast. We in Outshine. Bitcoins, we got them. Acquire, never sell. But catch us rolling deep like Adele. Bitcoin, blockchains, cryptocurrencies. Three guys faded talking Bitcoin, no fee. That's the free Bitcoin podcast, insane. And adoption is still the only thing, thing, thing that matters, man. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Bitcoin podcast, episode number 145. I'm your first host, Marcello. And I'm host number two, Demetri Ferguson. I am host number three, Corey Petty. What's up, guys? What's going on this week? What's up? Busy, busy Not week. Much. Yeah, it's been an exciting week. It's been an exciting week in Bitcoin and crypto, always. Seems like every day is new new news. So it's... we might have to have a Deadly Headlines podcast. Or daily headlines podcast. Deadly headlines. Kind of like that better. Deadly. De- deadly headlines with the TBP podcast. That's right. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Here's one. Here's one for the Times. Um, plasma. How about that? Oh, yeah. Everybody in the Slack was reading about that. And I did. Yeah. It is like the way that Plasma's- I've seen it so far, it is an alternative implementation to to the lightning network it is not the lightning network it is another layer two solution but it's it's a series of hierarchical blockchains that can do computation Mm. outside of the root blockchain which puts the root blockchain aka like ethereum or bitcoin as a source of anchoring authenticity it is where yeah. the proof of work happens and you can do all kinds of different consensus mechanisms in a trustless way outside of that, Merkleize them together and then record a lots of changes of state, lots of transactions, lots of different things mm-hmm. into a single transaction and then anchor that into the main blockchain. And so you can have cryptocurrencies that live on these kind of subsidiary blockchains that anchor into the main blockchain that operate in a trustless way, which could eventually, if they wanted to, settle on the main blockchain if they don't feel like the way that they're operating or any of the parent blockchains above them are operating properly can then trustlessly settle onto the main blockchain. So it's like this way of like scaling out the computation of keeping track of all of the changes of state. So the changes of state is like business logic. You know, if something happens, then change this. If you know, I don't mm-hmm. have any money, change my account balance. That's a change of state. And then, but not scaling out the problem that proof of work kind of offers. Because proof of work is hard to scale. You don't want to have the root, like the main chain, be infinitely scalable. Or like you want to do all the computation on that chain. That's the problem. It's like so like we can only handle so many transactions per second. Well, what if mm-hmm. one transaction 
was a representation of tons and tons and tons and tons of computation, as opposed to saying all that computation is done on the main blockchain. That's what, how does how does it work with the current Ethereum network, though? Because I imagine you still have to wait for some time for a node somewhere to process a single transaction. How does yeah, I'm working how does, on that. How does Plasma I'm like, get around that? I'm like halfway through the, the white paper right now. I haven't had time to finish it and then take notes and read it again and again and again to like really digest it. This is basically my surface level explanation of what Plasma uh, is supposed to be. But it's already an implementation, guys. Like people are already using this. I've read it twice. I understand. I went from understanding five pages to understanding six. So it's going to take me a long time to get through this, Puffy. Yeah, I'm going to try and but, write something up about it. But I mean, this is. Are you guys buying in? Well, no, here's the thing. This is what's yes. interesting to me. I'm, I'm buying in. I'm. Yes. It's if Vitalik anything, I think it's a Joseph good. Poon. I personally think it's a good investment because of the hype around second layer implementations outside the Lightning Network. What's interesting about this is that everyone thought the Lightning Network was the second layer implementation. And this just proves to you that there are other possible implementations built on top of a base layer blockchain. And this is the second one that's come out that has potential to do something. State channels and Lightning Network was the first one. And everyone was like, that's just a shill company that you know Bitcoin Core is trying to push forward so they can make money and all the things they're doing. Well, it turns out you don't have to use it. There's going to be other ways of doing it. Yeah. And this is the kind of the second way of saying, hey, we can we can do we can scale computation as a second layer technology in a different way. Here's a different way of doing it. Let's try this and see what it does. That's kind of the beauty of this whole thing that that we really take for granted because we've been in the space so long. And that is this is we're dealing with programmable money here. Like the better the programmers are, the cooler shit they can make. And that's just what it boils down to. And then so if you think about the world that we currently live in, think about all the amazing programmers we currently have on the planet. Think about all the amazing programmers that are being born like today because they're born into a world where you pretty much have to know how to program. So there's going to be people that are forced to be great programmers through the education system. There's going to be some people that are even better programmers than exist right now. And they're going to fall in love with cryptocurrency. So why would it's the safest bet in human history if you want to be a wealthy person when you're older and you're our age right now? Like somebody's gonna grab this technology and make it do something fucking phenomenal. And guess what? You own a piece of it. So hashtag this is not investment advice. Yeah, hashtag this is not investment advice. Hashtag don't listen to me. Hashtag I'm dumb. I don't know what I'm talking about. And do what you want with your money. Hashtag. hashtag. For security reasons, don't buy crypto. Yeah, don't buy crypto. <laughs> don't sue me. Don't sue me. <laughs> it's getting serious now. We have to say that behind every <laughs> every time we go on a rant about that's, that's the, the value thing, of this right? stuff. Like, I didn't get into this technology to, to get rich. That was not the reason for me to get into this technology. And some do, and that's admirable. I'm cool with that. I did. Yeah, Cello did. <laughs> he, and, he, and he says it like zero problems, and I respect that. But mm -hmm. it's funny that I can't talk about the technology without making those disclaimers, regardless of the reasons of getting into it, because yeah. money is so intrinsic to how it works. And when I, I mean, try and like, talk about the technology and how much I, I'm behind it, I have to say that this is not investment advice. 
This is just me talking about technology and where I think it might go relative to how I see the world going. And I'm going to make investments according to how I feel about things because what else do you do? Exactly. I mean, I don't know. By the way, for you guys that don't know what Plasma is, uh, you can go to plasma.io slash plasma.pdf. We're not going to put it in the show notes. That's definitely going to be forgotten by us. But just listen to the, <laughs> listen to the show. It'll be plasma.io slash plasma.pdf. You don't even need, you don't you need, need a slash. That. You don't even need a slash. Plasma.io. Yeah, plasma.io. There's, I'm sure there's a link in there that, that adds on the slash. They did not pay us. That link. But I, I really hope yeah. they do. <laughs> Yeah, uh, we'll put it. We'll put that out right. I would love to be involved with Vitalik and company. But this is written by Vitalik and Joseph Poon. Joseph Poon was the original guy who made, who invented the Lightning Network, and he was like, "Yo, like Lightning Network is cool. I want to try doing something a little different." And Vitalik was like, "I'll be on your squad now." And then they they teamed up, and now we have this Spawn Child Plasma, and its implementation it's a second layer scaling solution it's pretty elegant i I gotta admit it's pretty elegant in terms of what it's trying to do and Mm -hmm. i think that it is the it is so if if you're not aware of this the people who are involved in this technology are also people like cosmos who is the internet of blockchain which they've done a lot of research and pushing forward the idea of blockchain and inner blockchain communication there's a lot of people Mm -hmm. behind this idea that are culminating on 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 a good standardization of enterprise like think about this like and this is hearkening back to our original discussion of the intranet versus the internet and how that growth of the internet happened and before the internet exploded and everyone jumped onto it there was basically people who were interested in the technology but weren't Mm -hmm. comfortable with the security implication implications of being or putting everything on the internet in public sharing that information so they made their own version of the internet and shared mm-hmm. things within their own little corporation but eventually they wanted to communicate with one company to another which they used the public internet as a vehicle to do so so yep. the vehicle for all communication went through a public channel and we're seeing the same type of things happening with public versus private blockchains and this is a way for that to happen this is the, the plasma is a methodology for enterprises to have a private blockchain and then communicate with other private blockchains or decentralized exchanges or even the public network. And that communication in and of itself implies that the uh, I'm going to take it back to price because you almost have to. You've got to have a high price if that much that that much transactional velocity is going through. Well, that's demand, right? That's just, that you're yeah. increasing the demand of the underlying thing. Like if you have to use this payment rail as yeah. a form of communication to get to other things, and as the things that kind of grow around the public channel still need to use the main central form of communication, then the demand for the for the token that enables that communication will grow, which means the price will grow. Now, what's nice about this type of thing is that I think it, it can be implemented on both Ethereum, both Bitcoin, all kinds of things, which may end up 
enabling us to communicate between main public blockchains. So like Ethereum and, and Bitcoin could end up being pegged together. All that kind of stuff is being enabled, hopefully, with technologies like this. And so if this stuff grows and people build it out and they build technologies and utilities and companies and decentralized exchanges, all kinds of stuff that require the use of this public blockchain, then the underlying price has to grow with it. There's nothing you can get. There's no, there's no way of getting around that because it's yeah. so yeah. infrastructure level. Yeah. Ethereum has already done like what? 4,000% this year. Yeah. But it's still so young, right? Like it still has to scale. And according to Vitalik, Plasma is complementary to both sharding and proof of stake research. So as Ethereum attempts to continue its research to be able to scale the underlying transactional volume as well as the the consensus mechanism that secures the network, it should still work with these types of implementations later on down the line. That's like, at least that's the goal of what Ethereum is doing. Bitcoin is definitely not making mm -hmm. these steps. It's trying to secure itself in a very different way. So once again, who knows what it's going to look like in the next year or two? More people will be using it. But yeah, Maybe I'm looking yeah. at the white paper right now. It just says it's right now. It's just a proposed framework. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's already reached $6 and people are saying by next week it'll be $15. So that's pretty big growth. Are you talking about OMG? Yeah. Yeah, OMG is the token. It's the first plasma blockchain that I'm aware of. Yeah, that's pretty huge. This is huge. Yeah, and it's 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 not just like there's layers. You can have multiple layers and hierarchies. A hierarchy for those that don't know what a hierarchy is. Think about like having a uh, folders and subfolders. And you're on your computer, you have like your main my computer folder. And within that folder, you have like my documents, my pictures. Within those, you have like, you know, like San Antonio trip, like that type of stuff. That's a hierarchy of, that's a hierarchy. You have kind of like things yeah. that belong within other things. And then you have like a root structure. So the root structure, the like the my computer of blockchains is, will be the Ethereum blockchain or the Bitcoin blockchain. Then you have other things that are sub to that. And so that what that does is allows you to only look at the types of things that you're interested in. You can run a blockchain that you're only securing the types of transactions and validating the types of transactions that you're interested in, as opposed to doing everything on the Ethereum network, which is every single thing or the Bitcoin network. You have to, val you have to validate all transactions, regardless of whatever they're used for. You can run a subsidiary subsidiary network. You can only care about the things that you care about, and not have to worry about spending computational effort on all the stuff that other people are doing. Which is a way of scale. Huh. Yeah. And then I'm also reading like how it could be compared to the DAO fork as well. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So it was possible to perform the modifications without having to declare all blocks created in the meantime as invalid. And that was the case because the DAO had some safety features that made it impossible for the attacker to move the funds and thus the effect of the hack was well contained. So in the general case, this might be very different. And because of that, I think the best general case solution for Plasma would be to just declare the chain dead and so these 
parent-child chains things. Because what's uh, nice about that is like if you declare a chain dead, the the children of that parent chain can it still, keeps going. It, well, they they can they can move all of their funds to a different chain. Like it's like if you can declare a parent chain dead, every all of the children aren't dead as well. They can move, which is really 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 nice. So like you don't you're not taking out. Say for instance, you had to cut down a branch of a tree. If you cut down a branch of a tree, you kill everything from that branch on. All the leaves, all the other sub branches, so on and so forth. But in the case of how plasma works, it's like cutting down a dead branch, but saving everything that it, it forks off of that branch. All of the leaves associated with that branch, you can still just move to another branch. You're only cutting out the dead piece, and everything else lives. But isn't there like a big flaw that it'll like it'll take a lot of time to prove that there was a branch missing? Because I don't, I don't have that answer. That, yet. It says that I guess you're going to need proof with multiple rounds, and that can oh, take so they have, that can like take hours. A part of the a part of the protocol hours is not that big of a deal. A part of the protocol is is basically producing fraud proofs. If you if if you're validating the transactions that you care about, then you're incentivized to make sure people are honest. And so if everyone's only validating the transactions they care about and, and not everything else, if something goes wrong, they're going to produce the proof that something went wrong. And then there's slashing conditions that basically penalize those that break the rules and everyone else gets to move on to something else that's actually doing things, pro doing things properly. Oh, it kind of reminds me of lightning. But instead it's of a lot proof lightning. of stake, it's proof of work. A lot like lightning. And it has proof of stake inside of it. Oh, mm -hmm. that's pretty it's, cool. It's going to get more complicated, I'll tell you that much. It's not simple as we go, everything's based on proof of work. It's going to be layers and layers of things where different layers work different to each other. And their relationships and how they move about themselves is going to be complicated. But mm -hmm. if it's done properly, this could enable a lot of scaling. I, I need to look more into it. I need to do more research into it and kind of make kind of form my real opinions on it but from my surface level understanding this could be another route of real blockchain scaling in the future yeah i want to say something else something that got me excited that's a little off of ethereum and ethereum plus lightning equals plasma i see what they did there by the way cute vitalik um but this NVIDIA CEO, NVIDIA makes the graphics cards. So for those of you that don't know, which probably a very small percentage of you that wait, I'm looking at this article and looking at the price. It's almost $4,000. When did that happen? I guess it happened overnight. While we were talking. Like it's like 60 bucks away for 4K. Anyways, that just caught my eye. NVIDIA CEO said like cryptocurrencies are here to stay. So if you guys don't know, NVIDIA makes graphics cards. I'm pretty sure you know if you're listening to the show, but there's got to be at least three of you out there. They're like, what's NVIDIA? I only use it every day and don't know I'm using it. But they make graphics chips, graphics cards. And like, then there was a story like a few months ago, or I think it was last month, where uh, Chinese people <laughs> were renting seven, 77s full of graphics cards, like renting them to ship all the graphics cards over there so they're because they're mining so hard and um so nvidia ceo just basically said yeah cryptocurrencies are here to stay so it's going to be interesting the reason why i thought this was interesting is because if nvidia is 
a graphics card company saying like, oh, we're just going to start dedicating resources to building chips that are really, really good at mining, then that's now spiraled up a whole new industrial side to this ecosystem that was just it was just solidly on the miners like the better miner would create a better asic chip right or am i right or wrong about that like they would keep making advancements in their asics to make it powerful mine better yeah but now since other coins can mine using gpus um a lot of coins mine using gpus basically the majority of them um now you're gonna have this whole industrial competition around which one of these massive companies like nvidia is going to make the best gpu that mines the best so that is a whole nother support for this ecosystem yeah but not everybody shares his his opinion they're yeah, wrong. but when they see his profits, they do. <laughs> they made wrong. like forty yeah. percent more money than they yeah, wanted they to. Like, when you start catering to this this place, this this market, you're going to make a lot of money. And and I, I saw this with my research when I was doing computational research in chemistry is that we had to change the way our software worked because the people who produced hardware produced hardware to their largest consumers. Like they catered to the people who are buying the product, and the people who are buying the product were gamers, and things like that. Like there wasn't people who were doing scientific research, so we could take advantage of the way GPUs were crafted, but we had to ch- we had to alter the way we did our software to take advantage of the hardware they created that was catered to the gaming industry. And so we've we've seen that hardware producers will cater to the consumers that are that are buying the hardware, and in terms of blockchain becoming a thing based on proof of work consensus gpus play a significant role in the majority of coins now asics dominate bitcoin but almost everything Mm -hmm. else is dominated by gpus by gpus which means that they're going to start catering and developing hardware that makes sure it's incredibly efficient because that's the market where they make the most money and if it, it be, you can be guaranteed that if NVIDIA makes a lot of money, everyone else will jump on board immediately. Yeah, they made 59% more money than they thought they were going to make this year at this point because of big, because of crypto mining. So when other companies see that and they're like, whoa, that's a lot of money. That means 59% is way too much money for one company. I'm going to start building those two and just kind of eat away at that market what share. What do you think AMD because, has been doing its entire existence is eating away at NVIDIA's profits? Yeah, so now AMD is pretty much forced because the market has forced them, hey, you better start competing and you better start making GPUs that are really good at mining because if not, NVIDIA is going to have that whole market and they're going to be making money hand over foot without you. Why wouldn't you? You've got the factories. You've got the research and development wing. You may as well start making these mining chips. So go for it. So that I thought was a huge step in something that people don't understand is that like there's an industrial side to this too. And now that kind of was like a huge flag in the ground to say like, oh, now there is intrinsic value. And all these really, really rich people saying dumb shit on Twitter, like there's no intrinsic value to this stuff. And I'm just rich, and they say what I want. You're stupid because there is now. So, what what is the intrinsic I mean, value? 
the intrinsic value of crypto. What 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 is the what's the difference now? That well now like something, it? some now there's an intrinsic value that something is actually like a product, a physical product is being made and needs to be made to support this industry. That's not an intrinsic value. That's a reaction to a market to make to 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 make money. Like, what's the intrinsic value of cryptocurrency? It's a, I mean, it's, it's a demand a versus question. scarcity, right? Like, it's we are we are throwing in terms of proof of work consensus, we are throwing energy into a system in exchange for security. That's basically the intrinsic value of something. You have a scarce resource on the internet that is backed by a very large amount of real world energy. That's that 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 is that is an exchange, direct exchange for security and trustlessness, security. and trustlessness. On the you don't internet. have to have you don't have to trust the people who are using it. But in terms of like proof of stake, that throws a lot of it out. Yeah. Well, intrinsic value was a bad choice of words. But yeah, you're right. Like wrong. we have we have real markets but, adding legitimacy to the kind of underlying infrastructure that makes these things run. Yeah. Shit's getting bananas, man. Yeah. If you're that, listening to right note. now and you got Buku skills, you need to find a way to roll that into the crypto oh, yeah. and just work in it and future be that guy. Yourself. You're gonna, if future you want to future-proof yourself. yourself, figure out how your skill set works inside the crypto space and then start expanding on you will yeah. future proof yourself. I'm going to say I guarantee it. Like this isn't going away. I've made yep. I've made a career choice out of it and it's worked out for me. Pretty damn fine. Anyway, it's not looking good for you truck drivers of America. No, you're going to get automated out of this thing. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. It, there's uh, yeah. Well, maybe you can get a job Matricing us. Uh oh. Sounds like we lost him. I'll take the ads from here. We're brought to you by <laughs> Athena Bitcoin. We're brought to you by. No. <laughs> Cello really cares about the ads. And I do a bad job. Care. I, I don't care to that extreme. Cello, um, try it again. You there? Is he back? His, his oh, face is back. Fun. Let's, should we sing elevator mm. music? Can you guys hear me? My internet's being really shitty. We can hear you. Hit him with the ad. Do you, know you know what song I was just singing? I mean, I know the song. I don't know the name. Though. Everybody knows this song. Come on. How un-American are you? Girl from Ipanema. Doom, doom. There it is. Corey knows it. It's a Portuguese song. It's a Brazilian song. Yeah, well, oh. we're American, so we're just going to take it. And we're going to say that's an American song. No, I'm kidding. Um, Corey, I mean, Cello, tell us about, didn't you have some great news to tell us about Bitcoin ATMs? 
Yeah, we're brought to you by Athena Bitcoin, the most trusted name in Bitcoin ATMs, located in Philly and Florida, Chicago and Houston, Dallas, a bunch of other cities. Download the Athena Bitcoin wallet on the App Store or Google Play for specific locations. For more information, visit the website athenabitcoin.com because they're always adding new locations. And we're also brought to you by Athena Bitcoin's portfolio company, bitquick.co, which is a secure, quick, and easy peer-to-peer Bitcoin marketplace where our listeners can get Bitcoin for cash as little as just three hours. Where there's a bank, there's Bitquick. It's big. There's a jingle somewhere in there. It it's you sing it time. I want to see if you know. I want to see how good the jingle is. Oh, uh, bit quick. Get your bits quick. Oh my god! You can't be like questioning the jingle as you sing it. Cello's like it's bit quick. Get your bits quick. (laughs) (laughs) That means it's a powerful jingle. If it can stick in your memory, we need to call Bitcoin. Yeah. We need to call Athena Bitcoin, and we need to say we have a proposition for you. What else we got on the on the docket for sponsorships, Cello? Who else is paying us to say things? No, not paying us to say things. Paying us to say things about their thing. Isn't that what I just said? Like, isn't that the same thing? No, you said paying us to say things. That's that's dangerous territory. That could imply that we're just puppets we're spokespeople yeah, yeah. We're, we're they're we're, paying us to say things about them i i get that that see you didn't add that last part the first time Isn't say things implied? about them we say what we want damn it we just say stuff about them and get paid to say it so. <laughs> for those of you who don't know how advertisements work now you know <laughs> i'm just saying like it's dangerous territory <laughs> you say like there's people that pay us to say things and it's like wait you're right, you you're right, you're right, right. Like, we're not shilling yeah, yeah. I'm not. Uh, second, I'm not artificially saying things that, like, I core my core foundation believes in this product because they paid me to say that. Yeah, yeah. Corey uh, kind of half believes in our next sponsor, truthfully, <laughs> but it's a good place. Betking.io. Get your bet. Don't fret. Best bet site on the net. The most trusted die site uh, with the highest betting limits. The only place where over 360 million bets have occurred. And over 7,400 Bitcoins have been profited by investors. And 400,000 Bitcoins have been wagered. A lot of numbers there, but it's all good. The ICO just happened, and they raised over 1.2 million pre-sale. And those funds are going to be bankrolled back into the website for promos, SEO design, basically, it's just going to make the user have a more comfortable, easier, and all-around better experience. So, you know, blackjack, roulette, sports betting, poker, tournaments, you can use your Ethereum, your Litecoin. Uh, you literally don't have to go anywhere else. So head on over to betking.io, subscribe to the newsletter, and uh, become a high roller. Start winning some money. And um, that's going to roll over into our guest for this episode who needs no introduction, Mr. Charlie Shrim, who got into Bitcoin very, very early on, and he's now the chief operating officer at JAX. I mean, who goes to prison and comes out with a better job? I don't know. He did a pretty good job beforehand. Well, yeah. that that ties back into what Corey was just saying, and that's future-proof. Most people go to prison, and they come out, and they're like, well, I'm pretty much tied to driving this forklift. Yeah. But <laughs> Charlie Shrim was 
savvy enough to get in on this new tech at an early pace. And he was like, hey, guess what? You're going to be saying that the COO is a felon and you're okay with that? I'm like, yeah, you know about yeah. crypto. Come yeah, on in. Exactly. You know about more about this technology than anyone else. So, <laughs> Or like you've been around in this space for so long that we don't really care. We yeah. would rather just have you. Like that's fut- that's yeah. future proofing. That's future proofing. That's- that's future proof. The CEO is a felon. So if you're listening to, if you're listening to this from prison, yeah. I learned about some crypto. <laughs> he's the he's the little Wayne of Bitcoin. So um yeah, we've had uh Anthony DeGiorio pre- uh previously on, so now we kinda have like the whole upper team. Um Charlie himself has appeared on blockchain on our banner, but I feel it's it's kinda long overdue for him to appear on this actual show. Uh, so instead of, you know, using four or five different apps on your iPhone, all you need is jacks. It'll be everything. Right, D? Because Mr. 3000 isn't a movie about Bernie Mac playing baseball. It's about you and your phone and right. the, the number of apps that you have. I'm not terribly sure where that came no, from. No, you just have jacks. jacks. give us money. Be our sponsor. Yeah. No, that's the, that's the tagline of jacks. You instead of using four or five different apps, you consolidate it into one. That's that's their their fit their focus. Their what mission. I found the best perk to using Jax is that when you throw a bunch of different tokens in there and then forget they're there, and then you open it up on your iPhone like a month later, and you're like, "Whoa, I should get those tokens out of my phone because I'm walking around with a couple thousand dollars in my pocket like an idiot." That's the best part about Jax. Do not buy Bitcoin. Do not invest in Bitcoin. <laughs> Unless you want some walking around money, which is roughly three Bitcoin if yeah. you're rich. Yeah, that's what he said. Yep. You know, don't do just that. Walk around money, three Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, just totally walk around with 12 grand. No, I'm kidding. Um, don't buy Bitcoin. So without further ado, here's Charlie Shrem. Uh, he. Uh, thanks for being flexible with us and uh, making this early morning, depending on where you are. It's noon here. Oh, you're on the East Coast? Yeah, buddy. He's in Miami. Or Florida. I don't know if you're in Miami. No, no, I'm in the Southwest Florida. Yeah. Nice. You in the East Coast or West Coast rap? Um... We are. What do you? Oh no, I'm not really into rap. <laughs> oh. <laughs> not even yeah, a little no. bit. Oh. I wanted to I see like how he was going to answer I, that. Yeah, so I'm, yeah. a, I'm an East Coast guy because I'm from New York. I grew up in Brooklyn, so obviously Biggie Smalls and that whole that whole crew. But you know, um, but I um, I was never into rap so much just because it became too white. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like yeah. the whole Eminem phase, you know, like took took storm took over by storm, and I just I don't know, it just didn't. I you just like did, the gangster rap. <laughs> well, the whole the whole Rocky. point of rap to me growing up was like to, that the rappers can like express themselves about the tough life that they've had growing up and getting out of like these bad situations and things like that, and I really liked that. But then you had like a lot of these guys who were just rapping who grew up in these like beautiful middle-class homes. And I'm like, what the hell are you rapping about? Ja like, what, Rule, baby. Come on, like, <laughs> Looking at you, Kanye West. <laughs> like ja Rule. All of these. And then, and then, yeah, I don't know. It just, it's just stupid. Like I, so I like reggae 
I like reggae music. I like um, I like pretty much everything. I went to to country music fest this year. I don't even like country music, but now I do. Uh, <laughs> no, I never did. Like I was never a country guy, but then we went there to uh, I mean to, to check it out, and it's pretty good. Country music, it's pretty dope. I'm from the suburbs. I think I would rap about like, do I play my SNES or my Sega Genesis today? Yeah, that's like, what we gotta like, talk about. You'd be like, Lord, or like, yeah, like, do I get real upset when I go over to my friend and he has a game genie, and I'm like, what? Who uses a game genie? Like, what I don't even know what, like, what a game genie is. Oh, game what? genie, game genie, everyone. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Sure. You put it in, and then you put the cartridge in, and that's how you hack into the game and put your cheat codes in there. Yeah, everyone had a game genie except for me because I play the game with integrity. <laughs> We're but recording, anyway. by the way. We are. We've been oh, recording yeah. the whole time. We're not, That's it. Know, just letting you know. This is a great. This is a great. This is great. Like we didn't talk about crypto at all. Uh, no, thanks for coming by, Charlie. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we wanted to talk about rap. Um, well, I don't know if you've ever listened to the show, Charlie, but it's pretty laid back. Um, you know, I feel like I've done your really show relaxed. before. Have I done your show before? You did block channel. You did. You did block channel, which runs on our network. Uh, with okay. Stephen Mackey. What uh, network are we talking about? The Bitcoin, Bitcoin Podcast, Podcast Network. network. Okay, oh, cool. yeah. <laughs> so, the Bitcoin Podcast Network. Nice. We like, to, we like to accentuate the the. No, we don't. That's the first time we've ever done that. Uh, well, so, what's Justin Timberlake's going to come and say, hey, you should take the the off, and then we'll explode. <laughs> like in social network? Yeah. How's the social? <laughs> okay. <laughs> You got to take the the off. Imagine we were called like the Bitcoin. <laughs> the Bitcoin. Some people do call it the Bitcoin. How well, many? Anyways, how many of the? I'm Bitcoins launching. You I'm have? launching. So I maybe if you are you recording right now? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm going to announce that I'm actually launching a new Bitcoin fork, uh, Bitcoin XYZ. Um, oh, me nice. and Brian Hoffman are are launching it with uh, a bunch of other people, and what we're doing is we are going to fork. Bitcoin and fork Bitcoin Cash and create a bastardized version called Bitcoin Digital Cash Gold. This is a joke? Or is it yeah, it's a joke. It's D- a joke. BDCG. How much, how much BDCG do you have? <laughs> well, what we're going to do is we're going to do, we're going to do a two times airdrop. So whatever your balance is, we're going to double it. So oh. that's you just you're just creating billions and billions of dollars out of thin air for everyone. Yeah, yeah. And then what we're gonna do is we're going to do a thing where if you send any of your Ethereum to a burn address, we will give you the equivalent in Bitcoin <laughs> digital cash gold. <laughs> BCDG. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In we fact, just want people to stop why, using Ethereum. Why stop why stop at Ethereum? Just say if you burn any of the other tokens. Anything. And you have to burn it and publicly denounce your holdings, like basically tweet or Facebook and say, I'm not doing anything but Bitcoin DZCG. And then what we're going to do is we're going to create an agreement called the um, Los Angeles Agreement. And the Los Angeles Agreement will be all the companies and the miners in the space are going to announce Bitcoin DCGG 2X. And uh, that's going to be great. 
Why not three? Why not three X? Three X. Well, we should do three X because <laughs> obviously bigger blocks will lead to more fees because miners haven't taken a lesson in economics. <laughs> they don't. I, I literally, I literally like, 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 I literally, and this is like serious for a second. Like, do they not realize that bigger blocks equals less money for them? Like, don't they? Like, do they not I learn think, that? I think they've been convinced that. If you have bigger blocks, you can fit more. You can fit more transactions in there, and for some Jesus reason, they Christ. think the transaction fees won't go down. So, like, they have okay, this, let like, me, there's there's two different ways in which a Teddy a miner, miners who are listening. Yeah, let let me explain to you guys. Like, let me explain to miners how this works. In 2011 and 2012, no one paid any fees. The block reward was like 50 Bitcoin. No one paid fees. Hell, we even accepted unconfirmed transactions. Like. There was no economic incentive to double spend, whatever. But no one paid any fees. You had, if you wanted, you could pay no fee and get a transaction in a block, no problem. It, it, we weren't filled up. The only reason a fee market exists right now is because the block size is at is at one megabyte. So if you if you if you increase the block size to eight megabytes, and as we see with Bitcoin Cash, like let's let's just go to the Bitcoin Cash block explorer for a second where the hell are their blocks let's see let's see what's going on here consistently consistently i find it funny that that bitcoin has had consistently bigger blocks than bitcoin cash right now mm. like there's like bitcoin cash blocks are are like tiny like nothing in them 300 their biggest 300 kilobytes they're, they're not even at one megabyte they're like at 370 kilobytes. They had one block that was like four megabytes and one block that was like 1.9 megabytes. And that's about it. So as we're seeing now, because the block size is so big, well, no one's using it. That's the first thing. No one's actually using Bitcoin Cash to other than speculate. But the reason, if you add, if you create an unlimited block size, then people have no incentive to pay a fee to get it in the block. So no one's going to pay any fees. You just killed the fee market. And so you're getting the same amount of block rewards, but you're not getting any fees. You're making less money by mining for Bitcoin Cash. That's they don't they don't realize. So if it's as simple as pie, like it seems as simple as pie that the most people who think about it more than a day, like what do you think would could possibly be? I mean, why are they choosing to be so stupid? If it seems like it's a, a it's a political it's a political art it's a political debate that's what it comes down to it's all politics the whole block size debate is not about technicals it's politics oh it's who gets to control the software that pushes yeah. the protocol rules for Bitcoin that's that's all that, it is that's, that's all it is that's literally all it is like I would get on the phone with Dihan and talk to him a few months ago and he would tell me Segwit is great technology Segwit is good technology it's not even like it, it was never about the tech. It was about like communications, about politics, about people and their egos and everything like that. That's all it is. All right. So given mm. that, uh, like, how do you feel about the current, I guess, sentiment towards core and how it's you know proposedly you know controlled by a centralized government block stream and all that nonsense? I think it's all nonsense. I think it's. Um, I have friends that just started now doing. Bitcoin core, Bitcoin core developing. I mean, it's it's not you got to start, you got to you got to go on the GitHub, you got to go on the mailing list, you got to start small, you know, even doing grammatical corrections, testing code. Anyone can be a part of it. I can be a part of it. I'm not even a decent developer, but I try to 
to like look if there's any way I can contribute just by even just t- running um, binaries and testing code that hasn't been released yet. You know, anyone can do that. Just because of the fact it wasn't like it wasn't like Blockstream like had all these people and those guys started developing for Bitcoin. All, all these guys were developing for Bitcoin before Blockstream even existed. It just so happened to be that Blockstream gave a few of them a full time job. What's wrong with that? Well, I mean, that, that's the, that's kind of the, the, the problem with open source um, protocol development or like is funding the people to do good work. Like m- people aren't people need to be incentivized to contribute to the project and developers typically aren't incentivized unless they're building something for themselves that are taking a cut and like somebody has to fund these guys who are going to make this, you know, good tech. And yeah. it's ironic that when someone actually does get funded to build the tech, they immediately get turned in as shills or people who are trying to control the underlying software development for their own benefits benefits. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. Mm. Like, what, it's what like you you're damned <laughs> if you do or you're damned if you don't. Yep. Is, is that is that a catch twenty two? I feel like that's a catch twenty two. Uh, yeah, I guess. I don't know. What about, I think the core does great work. Go ahead, Chell. What about the future I, of Bit- Bitcoin mining? Do you have any theories on that? Um, what do you mean? Well, I know you gave some surface level thoughts um, yesterday, and I just want to give you an opportunity to kind of flesh out that theory on this podcast, so you're not confined to 140 characters. Yeah, so someone someone had a really interesting theory like a few months ago. He told me he said that basically what's going to happen with Bitcoin mining is Bitcoin mining is is it's always going to be competitive. There's no there's always going to be room for people to to the way the difficulty works and because the value is built to appreciate. There's if you have enough money, there's always a way to jump into the Bitcoin mining game. So. Every few years, we see it getting a little bit more centralized, and then it kind of takes a, a breather. So remember we saw it where I think it was ghash.io, or one of these mining pools got like 35% of hashing power like two years ago, and three years ago, and everyone was flipping out, and then things got a lot better, and now things are getting a little bit more um, things are getting a little bit more um, centralized, and it's going to cool off a little bit, and then you have different people get into the Bitcoin game. That's a good, it's all a good thing. Um, it's all a good thing to have more people trying to get mining. So the, the theory that this guy had was he said that basically state actors are going to get into the Bitcoin mining game and miners oh. follow consent. Miners Sorry. follow consensus. They don't lead it. Um, the end of the day, it's users and the developers that, that, that are leading consensus. And so miners, um, secure the network, but they're economically incentivized to keep the network honest. So what happens is if you have like United States, China, Russia, um, South, places in South America, even Europe that are like the governments are funding these these companies that are going to mine Bitcoin. That's actually a, it's a good thing, I feel like, because what happens is, is they have an economic incentive to keep the network honest. And they're also going to compete with each other all the time. So they're always going to be competing with each other. And it's like it's like a balance. It's hard to it's hard, I'm trying to think of like an analogy. It's like. It's like the system, it's like the system, like kind of like it's balanced where if someone tries to screw it up, the whole system fails. So they all keep each other honest. It's a, like and, the, um, I think someone came up with a word for this thing. It's like coopetition, yeah, right? It's like, yeah, coopetition. And it's really, it, it's, it's interesting to see it play out because state actors want to be involved in Bitcoin. They want to make money, of course, somehow. 
but there's no really way to them to do it. They can regulate the companies, whatever, but they're definitely going to get involved in Bitcoin mining because it generates money for them. They have the capacity and the, super, and the, the, the ability to do it. And all of a sudden, like, yeah, you know, like maybe maybe the United States runs their own nodes and their nodes are blocking, make blacklists, right? Fine. But you know what? At the end of the day, like, you don't have to use their nodes. You can use other people's nodes. Or if their nodes don't follow consensus, then fuck them. They, they're not part of the – or different China, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, everyone has to follow the, the same thing or else everyone's screwed. Yeah, you don't, you don't like – Actually – Doing proof of work. Doing proof of work is 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 putting up a significant amount of electricity resources just to get the chance at entering a submission, right? You're putting exactly. up a lot of, of stuff up front and to do all of that and then submit something that doesn't follow the rules is a waste of your money because it'll be immediately rejected by the network. The only types of yep. things that someone who has a significant portion of the network mining can really do is maybe censor a few transactions for a certain amount of time. They can basically almost like DDoS somebody's transaction for a limited amount of time for the yep. amount of blocks that they mm -hmm. can actually do. That's really about it. Or they can double spend their own money if they have over half of the network maybe a few times. There's not a lot of things you can really do yeah. for a long period of time if you have a significant portion of the network. And as yep. the technology that is being used, the hardware that's being used that people are using for mining starts to decentralize away from China's manufacturing companies, then you have a, a much easier way of jumping in, like the, the capital of having a equal amount of efficient mining hardware is easier to, to gain. So who cares? Like, good. Like Charlie, said, like Charlie said, it's good if they do this because <laughs> they're a part of the network and they're all doing this kind of co-opetition. I had this theory on the show many, many episodes ago. I think it's going to happen. I think it almost has to happen eventually. If the Bitcoin network gets that big and mining becomes that competitive, yep. it almost has to happen. Because yep. if big, the more popular Bitcoin becomes and the more society, just humanity, is agrees that, hey, this is the thing we're keeping faith in and this is what we're going to use and you better get on board, government. Like the government is going to go, okay, well, we don't want China to have all the Bitcoin in the world. And we definitely don't Russia want to have all the Bitcoin in the world. We're going to have to spark up some Bitcoin mines and, I don't know, have some guy in a nice suit talk about a bunch of stuff so we can get some tax money to fund it. Yep. Like, that's that pretty much has to happen. Yep. If Bitcoin gets really popular. So, um, hey, I'm glad with the only one with that theory. Awesome. No, it's interesting. It's an interesting theory, so... Yeah, it'd be it'd be neat. It'd be I know it's you're starting to see clues because I did read an article I think last month where there is a Bitcoin mine sparking up in Minnesota that is funded by their local government. Interesting. I wouldn't be surprised. So if I can find that article again, I'll shoot it to you on Twitter. But um, there's already kind of clues to that happening. So little yep. glimmers. Well, how do you feel about? Ah, go ahead, go, go ahead, D. I was just going to say, you know, you're a Bitcoin OG, like certified. You've been in Bitcoin for a long time. Um, you've even, uh, you know, you hell, you're just a Bitcoin OG. I don't need to explain that anymore. So has so what do you think is something that's happening now that you didn't see happening when you first started up a long time ago? Like, what do you like mean? wow, this has really come a long way. Well, like. 
I guess it's interesting to see like competing interests. Like people actually take Bitcoin seriously now. Like it's not. It used to be the conversation is like, will Bitcoin exist five years from now? What will it be? Will there be like community and companies behind it? Will you know, like the real world take it seriously? And now, like people ask me what I do, and I never like if I never met them before. Like I'll meet a random person and or hanging out and we meet a friend, and he's like, "What do you do?" And I say, oh, "I work in you know currency trading or something like that, something like really ambiguous. I work in tech." And they say, "Oh, you're involved in? Are you involved in uh, in Bitcoin?" And uh, I'm like, "Yeah, I actually am." And like, I'm really surprised by how like more, like people actually know they don't understand it as much, but they kind of like it's not it. it I used to get like Snickers. I used to get like people would would make fun of me or like, "What are you doing? What is this play thing?" Like, I go to my financial advisor, right? And and when I and I and and I meet her and and she wants me, you know, and she says, "All right, what do you do?" Or like, I'm applying to to rent a condo, and they ask for your, uh, for your like, what what's your job profession? I write cryptocurrency, um, or digital currency, and like they get it, they know it's like it's like a it's 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 a space, it's a it's an industry that actually exists now. And there's not really like a question about it. It's going to exist. It's going to be wild. Yes, you can work in it. Yes, I will lease you a car if you work in a digital currency industry because it's an industry that's going to be around for a very long time. It's not like people are people used to call Bitcoin like the Tamagotchi, and I think hmm. we you know it's been around for like eight or nine years at this point. I think we're pretty much past that fad phase, you know. So like yes, you can have a career in this. People are moving over from banks and stuff like that. It's legit. It's not. It's not like, are you going to succeed? It's it's just, what are you going to do in the space now? And and it's really good to see that. Um, it's really good to see people finally taking it seriously. With that in mind, like now that we have kind of this stamp of legitimacy that's been put on the entire space, it's I think the the conversation is now shifted towards how does the space evolve, and then how do you position yourself to to be ready for something like that? So like, how do you like? Bitcoin used to be the dominant, the only thing. Like we're called the Bitcoin podcast because when we started, it was only Bitcoin. It, but now it's this kind of proliferation of all kinds of attempted projects and things that could potentially in five yeah. years. And I'm now, not a Bitcoin maximalist. Yeah. You know, I'm not a Bitcoin maximalist. Not even close. I, 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 ha- I have a portfolio. My portfolio of crypto is, I would say, eighty percent Bitcoin. But I, I dabble in other stuff. I think a lot of other stuff has promise. I, li- I don't invest. Everyone has a preference. I'm not really looking to speculate too much. Like I don't like doing like if I'm making a trade more than once a week, then I'm not really going to invest in your, you know, put even a few thousand dollars in it. I kind of want to just like put it in there and see where it is in a year from now type mm-hmm. of thing, um, or even a few months. But like everyone has a specific preference. Personally, I like to invest in projects that I could see some utility in it. So having said that, I won't invest in like platforms. I'm sick and tired of platforms to build more shit. Hmm. Like, how many platforms do we freaking need? <laughs> right? We I'm have for somebody we have so like pla- using the platforms. Yeah, exactly. So I like to invest in projects that are actually like doing cool stuff. So um, and providing like value to crypto. So like I've been I've been an investor in Steam for for a year. A lot of people make fun of it and you know call it whatever they want, but Steam has Steam it has hundreds of thousands of people actually using it. Um, 
it's uh, it's onboarding people into crypto. It's it's it works. It works. The, their Alexa rating is has been is is high. People are using the platform. People are getting paid out of the platform. People are writing content. People are voting on content. It has a, a great community. And so I invest in the token because I think it's going to succeed in the future. And that's just that. Like that's one specific example. Um, and then I'm involved in a few other like projects that I just try to. To, that I think are doing cool shit. I try to like I try to like invest in projects that are not finance. So Bitcoin is finance, so that's great. Um, but what else can we do with blockchain? Like what else can blockchain do that's not finance? And I think there's a lot of use cases of things. So like you know, Steam is cool because the censorship Steam needs a censor resistant blockchain, um, where you have the ability for like a dissident in Syria or China. To write a blog post and the government can't really shut it down. I think that's pretty cool. But there are other projects that are doing cool stuff, um, you know, on 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 the blockchains. But like, I'm a very like outspoken proponent of a lot of these. Well, like against a lot of these, some of these projects that don't really like do anything, and it just pisses me off because people they're, they think they're making money, but in the long term, that people are going to get wrecked, and it's. It's it's scary. You got to be careful, especially in in this space. Yeah, like what what value have we seen out of like like even Ethereum yet? Besides for people to be able to launch their own tokens for more platforms, and then you have oh. like all these different ones. I just I don't I don't see it. So like to go back to your question, I think you should stay Bitcoin podcast. Like uh, there are other crypto podcasts. There are other podcasts that do blockchain, whatever. But but. There's a. I think you should stay Bitcoin. No, you could talk about the others. <laughs> we're not okay, changing. cool. I was. I wasn't sure if you were like deciding. No. Okay, good. No, we're not. No, changing. don't. Don't like. There are other ones that do whatever, but there's still a huge. There's still a huge market for, like, there's the biggest. Bitcoin is the biggest market. That's straight up. You know. I see utility yeah. in smart contracts, and Ethereum has played a crucial role in developing the intuition around how you build smart contracts or what you can actually use them for, in terms of like actually creating decentralized applications that may do automated business logic, whatever. Right. And yeah. when rootstock comes into play, it will, if it, it, it's, it's at least going to learn a lot of lessons from all of the things we've learned in Ethereum. And I agree. And there's a lot of proofs of proof of concepts that are being built on Ethereum that they may end up moving on to something else. And I think that's been a nice test bed for a lot of stuff. And then if they grow, then they'll become, applications of utility that are built on them as well this is the problem this is the problem and like i've had this argument with vitalik and i've had this debate with other people every there's a reason that the bitcoin code base is small Mm -hmm. and there's a reason that segwit took two years to to activate and to lock in because bitcoin is the largest and most secure and longest running chain every every integer every line of code every little thing creates thousands of attack vectors that we don't know about and we've seen that with ethereum how many times you know like we've seen smart contracts get hacked we've seen the dow we've seen ethereum have issues and had to hard fork like 15 times we've seen so yes yeah, smart contracts are great there's a huge value in that but smart contracts shouldn't be done on the main chain the main chain needs to be the smallest code base it needs to be the most secure so even segregated witness how that creates other layers um, and backwards compatible at the same time. And then you have RSK and you have the ability to do mast and Schnorr signatures, all these things that create 
layers and layers and different chains and stuff like that. That's where the value is. But And so you, you keep the ability for attack vectors at a minimum. So no one can say Bitcoin got hacked. But if you do this stuff, with like with Ethereum, it's and I'm not like trying to be against Ethereum, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like it's it, it it's hard for me to invest in something where there's so many different abilities for it to go down and, and you've seen it. You gotta be really careful with this stuff. Here's my here's, here's money's on the line. Here's where I might argue with you on this one. So Bitcoin has this kind of very minimal code base, the script, Bitcoin script that has a very small attack vector, which it which it is has is has worked. And it does what it does, yeah. and it's worked throughout the entire history, despite many people trying to attack it. But mm-hmm. because of that, you've offloaded a lot of the security risks to the end users, and it all ends up being people have issues with PKI. They don't know how to manage their keys, which is prolific across all cryptocurrencies, right? But that's where the problem is, and the social, I guess, behavior around managing your own money then becomes a thing. And so Bitcoin really, really pushed forward people's people learning how to deal and secure their own finances whereas like with ethereum what it's doing by having smart contracts built onto the actual blockchain is that it's teaching people how to actually program in a very secure way because for a long time the way people program is a is a program fast break things it doesn't really matter but when you add money into something like that, it forces you to stop programming in a very haphazard, inefficient way and teaches people to change their paradigm on how they think about building applications so that security is first. It's a good point. It's a good point. Uh, yeah, it's a, a good point. Yeah. This is why I'm not a developer because I agree with you and you just like countered my arguments. So and now I have to figure out like I got to re refigure out where <laughs> but, my and we're all no, I, it's, it's it's really young right like that there's gonna take is. a lot of time and the thing about i guess bugs in something that have economics built in inherently is that people are not incentivized to show you where your bug is until you throw a bunch of money into it in the very same way that people are not incentivized to break your wallet until there's a bunch of money in it yeah true story so it's just going to take a while, and a lot of people are going to get burned in the process, but eventually we'll have something that's robust, and we have best practices and what you should and shouldn't do. But you look at it at the same time, like Bitcoin's been around a long time. Mm-hmm. The market cap is huge. Um, the prices is growing, and every hacker in the world is probably trying to hack Bitcoin right now. Oh, yeah. If you, if, you, if you look at that, it's pot. the biggest – exactly. <laughs> And they do it in a way, the hackers would do it in a way, at least if I was a hacker, was I just siphon off money. And it could be like small amounts. Not that I would do this, but because if a hacker would, you know, steal everyone's money, it wouldn't have value. It would devalue the thing they stole. Exactly. <laughs> so like I, I, I heard a speech by John McAfee in Miami once and he's like, yeah, the government and the hackers, they've installed backdoors in every single one of our wallets in one day. I know it. They've told me they're just going to. This is my John McAfee imitation. They're going to. Um, they're going to sweep everyone's funds and steal everyone's money. And I'm like John. You do you understand how economics works? If that happens, Bitcoin will be worth zero. Like that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. <laughs> they would be taking nothing. Like there would be nothing to take. It's so. It's, it's a, so. It's, a, it's be, a like a GI Joe villain move. Is what it is. It makes, but it makes no sense. <laughs> um, so it's like, so yeah, so like the hackers are trying, but they can't really do it. Um, 
but again, I'm not a developer, and we have some really good guys working on on Bitcoin every day. So it's really good to see that growing nicely. Yeah, it's, it's the space has come so far. Like even since we've been doing the show, since I've taken interest in Bitcoin, it's just it almost moves too fast to keep up with sometimes. It does. Um, yeah, can imagine going to prison for a year and then coming out and like being like, "What? What, what, what happened? <laughs> what is everyone? What's going on here?" What, what year was is this? The... Oh man! What? And, like so much shit went down when I was in there. Um, like there was so much that went down during that year, and like I had no idea about it. Like I was really like cut off. Like like my fiance would send me emails and try to keep me up to speed and people would write me letters and stuff. But you know, this, 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 this works. It's like every day, every day is, is more and more, you know what I mean? So like it was it's like, I was just kind of, it was just crazy. It's like, what is going on? In what this space was the right thing now? that like shocked you the most when you got out and you're like, what happened? <laughs> no, Mike, Mike Hearns rage quit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> cause, cause we, we met him. Uh, my fiance and I met him in Atlanta and he just, could t- he was such a douche in person. Like, like, sorry, Mike, whatever. You know what? <laughs> I'm going to say it out loud. You are, you are a douche. And then like, then like when I got arrested, like the community really had my back. And of course, Mike Hearn goes to the BBC and says, yeah, Charlie, Charlie didn't really do anything in the space. He, no one really knows who he is. So it doesn't really matter. I'm like, dude, like, first of all, fine. If you, if you don't like me, that's that's okay. A lot of people don't like me. Hell, there are some days where I don't like me. But you don't have to go to the BBC and like start, you know, hating on me or whatever. That that was uncalled for. I don't do that to you. That's like a shoe in for hater of the year. Yeah, like come on, and that just that just pissed me <laughs> off. Like people have their opinions of each other. Fine, like you know, I'll never like it's okay. But to like go on on record and do that, it was just a dick move. He's a fan of going on the record though. Go ahead, Joe. This is a good segue into the kind of the Batman Joker relationship you have with like Roger Ver. I don't oh mean to get gosh. all no, yeah, I don't, right. I don't I don't mean to get all tabloid on you, but I just thought <laughs> maybe it was it was maybe worth asking like what is his deal? <laughs> Question mark. He, his he, he 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 um he he sends me this email. He 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 believes that I'm intentionally just undermining him trying to fulfill Satoshi's vision. Whatever that means, it's just constant under like undermining. Uh, apparently, I don't. I'm not allowed to have an opinion on <laughs> on how things should work. So, why does he think he's fulfilling Satoshi's vision? In your opinion, what is it, what is he oh. doing that everyone else is not doing? And why does he have <sighs> why does he have a a viewpoint that's worth listening to outside of having a bunch of money? I can't answer that. I don't have a bunch of money, so I don't know what the mentality is of someone who has that much money. There's, it's a different, it's a different way of thinking. It's like you're a whole different person. Yeah, I've been trying to you figure know, that out. It's a, it's a hard. There are a lot of really wealthy people who will sit and talk. You could have them on your podcast who are like really down to earth, who've had money for a long time, and will explain it to you. But it's like a, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a divinity thing. They, they, they it's like it's like you have to you have to you're fulfilling some like you're fulfilling some like um godlike thing it's like 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 jesus or something like that like i am the the altruistic benefactor of of these pleasures yeah yeah stuff like that 
Ah, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mean, like, sorry. That's all I can say. He's such a nice guy. Like he's such a nice guy in person. I like him a lot. Like I still I respect really, him as much as he I hates know that on he me. Does jujitsu, and I really want to roll with him because I also do Brazilian jujitsu. But so you don't want to fight him. You don't oh, want to fight him. I, that, that's that's part of you know every every guy who practices jujitsu wants to you know fight the other guy that does jujitsu. Oh really? Yeah. It's, okay. it's, it's, it's like Highland. It's a set rule set. It's a set rule set. So you know you're not going to hurt each other. It's more of like a mental chess match and a you know, hey, good job. Oh, okay. But outside I don't of know, that, he may hurt you. <laughs> well, then maybe I won't. Outside of that, like I have no real desire to, I guess, ask him questions because I don't see why he has an opinion that's worth listening to outside of having money. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like you have to understand. Giving Roger credit, like he, he, he did seed fund like so many companies and he did he did introduce like hundreds of thousands of people to bitcoin he did do a lot of that in the early days does that give him the right to, to act the way he's acting I, I don't know but he he did do a, like a ton of work that a lot of people didn't do i, I do give him a lot of i mean he he funded me i wouldn't be in this space funny if it wasn't for him so i give him credit for that you know what i mean mm-hmm that's yeah. a good point. I just have one qualm with Mr. Bear, Roger, is that why does he call it voluntarism instead of philanthropy? I can't get my head around that. Well, vol- <laughs> oh, that was a deep sigh. I don't know. I, I don't, don't know. know. I, well, vol- <laughs> the problem with voluntarism is it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be um, like you can't force your will on someone else, but it's not really, um, doesn't really exist. Like he, that's what they're doing is they're trying to force their will on everyone else. Hmm. It seems to be the case. Well, I want, I got some, I, I got some questions. Oh, go ahead, D. If you, have, you want to change the subject, I was just gonna make more commentary, but I'll get off of the tabloid tip. We'll let Roger Bear do his thing. Yeah, let's let's let's. I want I want to talk about Jax because, like, like I I know that you're the the CEO of Jax and you, you took on this role, but. Ha- so a little while ago, they, I wouldn't call it they went under some fire, but there was some news, the fact about how, I guess, vulnerable the seed phrase is for a Jack's wallet. And then the response was basically, yeah, it's really difficult to, to balance the usability and security issues of modern wallets. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't super pleased about how we handled that. And maybe in hindsight, we could have done a little bit differently at the time. I was the business development manager or whatever. Um, I wasn't chief operating officer at that point. Maybe I would have handled it a little bit differently. However, um, you know, there's a trade-off. So let me let me tell you who our users are. Our users never ask us about multi-sig. They don't even know what that is. Our users are not people who want super advanced features. Our users are people who, so Jax is on like, eight different platforms or nine different platforms, Windows, mm-hmm. Mac, Linux, everything. A- iPhone, Android, everything. everything. A majority of our users, and I mean majority, I, I literally mean more than 50%, a majority of our users are are holding more than two tokens in their wallet. So Ethereum, Bitcoin, Dash, Litecoin, whatever. And the same majority is using their, their wallet across at least two different platforms. So whether it's their iPhone and their Mac or their Android and their Windows, or their Chrome extension and their phone, people are using it across all different platforms. 
the way the way we built the system is yes the seed is stored locally on your computer um the reason that was built that way was because we wanted to make there's a trade-off between user user experience and security it's like a lever system right so if you want a security to go up what happens is the user experience goes down and you see this with some of these advanced wallets it's really difficult to use or some of the easier wallets they don't have they're not feature rich that you'd want them to be so getting to that point where you have like that perfect balance of user experience and security is difficult i feel like we're at a point where like our security is pretty good um we're always upgrading to newer versions and making it better we're definitely looking into the ability to like encrypt that seed but there's also the like the people have to the people have to secure their own devices right like if if you don't have a password on your computer or a pin on your phone people are going to be getting a lot more than your bitcoin from your wallet they're going to be doing whatever they want um and to this day we only had so after that whole blow up like i was waiting for thousands of people to email us saying i lost my money but it never happened we had one person and that person lost money because his physical phone was actually stolen like the, he got robbed like mugged on the street yeah mm. I, this is that was of... the only, we never there was no like thousands of people there's no like lawsuits there nothing that never happened because people secure their own devices so it is a security risk of course to have things unencrypted like i would i would never tell you to have things encrypted on your um on your on your devices um but also tell you like like we tell people straight up, like don't Jazz is not for a lot. It's not a hardware wallet. Don't keep a lot of money on any any wallet that's connected to the internet. Like you should not be using. Uh, it's more for like play money for buying stuff online, a hundred bucks maybe like that. But if you have more than like a thousand dollars in your Jack's wallet, like you shouldn't be doing that. I would not recommend people do that. <laughs> I've always seen it as this. Like I use the analogy of like, and I think I've heard this before, so I may be taking it from somebody else. But it's like saying someone can bash your door in at your front house, so there's no reason you should ever have a lock on it. it it's a very similar argument mm. that people are trying to say uh, for like point. the insecurity of a Jack's wallet. It's like, yeah, there are vulnerabilities if someone really points you out and takes advantage of it, but the odds of that happening are quite low. That doesn't it's mean just, you but it's, it's a good point things. though. It's just, it's like people shouldn't. Yeah, someone you could have a door and someone can bash it down, but most people are not keeping millions of dollars in their house in cash under their mattress. So there's really no incentive for someone to like bash your door down. Now, if you have a big mansion and you have jewelry and stuff like that, then that's a different story. But most of us don't have that, you know. So to to, to take your analogy, so like no one's really like bashing down everyone's door. We're not seeing anarchy on the streets. Because there's really like the risk reward factor isn't that high. It's the same reason why you wouldn't keep a lot of money in your Jack's wallet. Um, like you keep all your money at the bank or safe deposit boxes and stuff like that. Like I personally never care. I don't carry Bitcoin on me. Like I have one or two in my wallet. So if I do get mugged, then okay. But like I don't, I'm, I'm never in control of like my, the way I set up my security. I know most people did it this way that I have you know, more than 10 or 20 Bitcoin is that like, you don't, you keep it in different places and you have to distribute the keys in, in a certain way and use m and or you do multi-sig technology. So if someone does come to you and set with a hammer and says, give me all your Bitcoin, it's like, sorry, I don't have it here. Like I, I if I wanted <laughs> to, I couldn't give it to you. Like, I just don't, we can go to the bank to my safety deposit box if you want. Um, and then there's some there, but like, or we can go to like this friend's house who's holding, like, there's no, there's no, <laughs> 
you know? So that's the smart way to do it. If you're walking around with a million dollars in your pocket, that's stupid. <laughs> yeah. There's a, I don't know. But it goes back to your, to your argument. Like, yes, there is a responsibility. There is an added responsibility to being your own bank. There's a reason banks are banks, right? They map, they, they, your money's in there and you don't have to really worry about like someone coming and stealing it or securing it yourself or whatever. Now being, you know, blockchain.info's slogan of be your own bank, that comes with a lot of responsibility. A lot of responsibility that some people just simply don't want to take on. And that's okay. I'm not one of those like in the Fed type people. What I want to do is I want to build a better system and eventually through, you know, voluntarism or whatever, people are going to come use our system over the other system. And it won't force anyone, but it'll be like, all right, here's the Bitcoin system and here's the banking system. You know, which one do you want to use? If you're someone who says, you know, like I'm security, like I'm tech enough that I can manage my own, you know, my own keys in the right way. And the user experience will get better and the security will get better. It'll take five or 10 years. And I think people will start to, to do that. Um, but it's going to take a long time. It's not going to happen overnight. And that's okay. That's yeah. okay. Going the way the system is. I like to look at it as um, this. This whole this whole space is giving people options to do things in a manner in which they would prefer, and and not subjugating them to a single decision because that's the only way that's possible. It, like we're we're giving people options on how they'd like to manage their money and interact with those with us surrounding them and how they you know have financial transactions with whoever it is and now they have options to do so and now they manage their money whereas beforehand you just didn't have those options yep i agree d you were saying giving something? people options me no no i i didn't say that. oh sorry yeah I, that's why i like all this stuff i like i like giving people the ability to choose what they want to do and how they want to do it as opposed to saying like based on the infrastructure or the hardware and how we've built things there's only one way to do it. This is a whole new infrastructure and, and way of building things that gives people all the choices they want and how they want to build the thing that they want to build, which is, which is, in my opinion, like the greatest thing you can do. So if there's no need for it, no one's going to use it and you wasted your time. But if there is, which I think we've seen, people are going to use it like voluntarily. So... I have a question. If I if I had to ask you to be Nostradamus for a day, because you give like a a two year, I think this space is going to look like this, or five year, I think the space is going to look like that. What would be your premonition? Me? Yeah. Um. I don't know because I've always been wrong on these predictions. <laughs> That's why they're fun, because the one time you're right, you're yeah. like, he's a genius. <laughs> yeah. Right. I love those people who like, yeah, I called. I said, you know, I said the Bitcoin price is maybe at $3,000 or whatever. And it's like, yeah, well, you also made like a ton of shitty calls too. No, I think we're going to see just a more wider and diverse ecosystem. I think we're going to see, we're going to see Bitcoin being like the, the mothership of always. And it'll continue. I think the flippening will never occur, um, not even close. I think we're going to see better systems and better smart contract solutions and better stuff like that. There's a, there, let me tell you, the reason there, there's a single reason why everyone's using Ethereum right now. A lot of no one really talks about this. This is the reason. 
The reason that everyone's using Ethereum for smart contracts is because every exchange has already integrated Ethereum. So if I'm creating an ICO, the more exchanges that are trading my token, the more liquidity, the more the pump and dump, the higher the price, the more money I make. Right now, if I go to an exchange, if I go to Kraken and I say, hey, Kraken, can you list my token? If I say it's on like BitShares, they're going to say, sorry, like we're not going to spend all these hours and adding your token on BitShares that you know no one really uses. But if you're on Ethereum, it's just a copy and paste ERC-20 token. It's easy. Everyone's familiar with it already. That's it. Done. And isn't that the idea of standardization, though? Yep. But at the same time, Bitcoin, every exchange has two, even more so. So, And Bitcoin is a lot more secure. So creating tokens on Bitcoin, um, it's more of a household name. I think that you'll see that once the ability to do it, you'll see a lot more ICOs launch it on, on Bitcoin as well. Mm-hmm. So. Cool. Well, um, all three of us are going to be at uh, DevCon 3 in November, and uh, we will most likely be at the Blockchain Super Conference in Dallas. So if you will let me or slash us buy you a drink, let's uh, let's link back up in early 2018. Yep, let's do it. We got one last question, though. Yeah. Yep. Are you going to ask it, Joe, or you want me to ask? You can take it. Go for it. All right. Well, in 10 words or less, Charlie, can you describe Bitcoin? Bitcoin is a digital payment system, and it's also the unit of value that's being sent across the system. It has become, and it has become wonderfully a store of value at the same time. So not only is it this decentralized system of sending these un, uh, un, uh counterfeitable if that's a real word token or you know uh, uh, token system it's also become a uh, because people believe in the system it's not 10 words or less a um, <laughs> store of value which is like the ultimate goal but for, in order for Bitcoin to remain a store of value it still needs to be the most widely accepted you know method of payment uh, and, and acceptance of value and things like that so um that's what I see Bitcoin is. I see it's like a balancing act of both store and value and um, transactional currency, if you will. But one needs the other to succeed in order for both. Like you have people that say Bitcoin is a transactional currency, but it's not a store of value. And you have the opposite people that say it's store of value. Not, like you need, it needs to be both. It needs to be both. In 214 words, that was yeah, very nicely that. described. <laughs> I like, I like, if I were to, put, to, to try and uh, sum up, summarize that, uh, Bitcoin is the balancing act of tra- like, uh, transactional. Store value and transactional. Yeah. 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 Uh, transaction. That may not okay. be 10 words. All right. Cool. Thanks, Charlie. Sounds Thank good. You. And we're back. And I hope you enjoyed that interview with Charlie Shrim. He is a true Bitcoin crypto OG, been in this space for a very long time. Um, I'll tell you what. I hope you enjoyed the interview. That wasn't that wasn't very interviewish. That was more along the lines of Charlie coming and hanging out with us. It was. I like that one. Which I which I appreciate. I enjoy those I enjoy those types of conversations more than like trying to grill somebody and like catch them on shit or like ask them questions and then them providing a very canned answer that was more like charlie just hanging out and providing his own two cents on the space yeah uh it, it um 
was refreshing. I do even, like those. Even if he too. took a moment and wrote out uh, a thesis paper. Yeah. In the middle of it. <laughs> <laughs> and for you guys that don't know or weren't paying attention, he was he was typing a lot. So first we thought it was one of us in the background. We were like typing to each other, like, "What are you typing?" But it's him. He was actually um, writing a writing a thesis, he like tweeting. Corey said. He was tweeting <laughs> during the interview. Anyways, Charlie, it was good to have you. Hope you come back. So I want to talk about one thing that I think is ironic and kind of hilarious. It probably doesn't have any correlation at all, but I'm just making it that way to make a point. And that's the only slogan that have worked for Bitcoin from a marketing standpoint, like that you could tie these price gains to a slogan is buy Bitcoin. <laughs> Like that guy who was behind Janet Yellen, yeah. and he put the sign up. That was like buy Bitcoin. The price went up like immediately afterwards. Came down a little bit, but it went up. Didn't go down that far. And then the other day, you have the Dota tournament. You saw uh, that, which is bananas. Like you saw I that? cannot believe. Uh, I I haven't I didn't watch I was, the tournament. I, I watch I watch Dota. So like I was actually watching the the the, the stream, and some cat in the background. Had a yeah. buy Bitcoin sign in it, and like a jackass, he didn't put the QR code on the on the back end. He actually wrote out his fucking public key. Yeah, like an idiot. Nobody's going to type it in the public key. But like put your the, QR the code. The winner of Dota easy, Two like, makes twenty million dollars, and then like yeah, a like giant prize pool of ridiculous things. It's like the largest probably gaming tournament in existence that's right now. I think that's the only thing I have to offer humanity is to pass on my gaming skills and my seed. And I'm going to have my spawn be really, really good at video games and entertain people and make money. Get over yourself. I'm sick with the sticks. Mm. These are facts. I've been there. I've seen it. I want to pass on my gaming skills. This is is what I'll do for humanity. But anyways, um, let's wrap it up. So we hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, Go check out Plasma. Uh, if you ever wanted to get a rock hard understanding of yeah, that, I was going somewhere else. Understanding of this stuff, read the white papers. You know, if you're getting too far, if things start to feel eerie, go back to the Bitcoin white paper, read again. I've read that one a few times. If you read those white papers, you understand them. Can't tell you nothing. Just like that Kanye West song. Can't tell me nothing. Can't tell me nothing. All right. So, anyways, um, shout out to Zoe Saldana. Shout out to Carrie Hilson and Cherry Hilson. Shout out to Janice Griffith, um, Anna Fox. Um, you got any shout outs, Corey? No. Um, shout out to Michelle Obama uh, and Chelsea Clinton. Um. You can find us on Twitter at the BTC Podcast uh, Medium. If you go to medium.com, search for the Bitcoin Podcast, you'll see writings from Corey, writings from me, writings from Ken. Shout out to Ken, by the way. He's this, his shows are like steady, and he's, he's he got good response from the last one. Uh, interviewed Vortex. Uh, shout out to oh yeah, we've got some new shows coming out. So you'll see on your feed, we're gonna have a trading show where uh, we have some gentlemen that are experienced and successful traders 
they have agreed to come on the network and give you guys trading tips one to two times a week. So if you don't want to sit on the sidelines while in this volatility, you could be making a lot of money. Don't invest in Bitcoin. Don't buy Bitcoin. You can listen to that trading show and listen to all the disclaimers there. But they're going to give you tips and stuff and how to notify, how to know like what signals are good for buying, what signals are good for selling. It's going to be a good show. I think you guys enjoy it. And then we also have, is it too soon to announce uh, Evanescence? I don't know yet. I mean, he's, he's a part of the network. He just has to start building a Make, podcast. Start making the show. So we got another show rolling out. Um, if you know Evan Van Ness, his show is going to be called Evan Van Ness Since. No, it's not. So like making sense. I thought he agreed to that. No, no, no one even said it to him. You made that up, and then you started calling it that. Yeah, that's how you make things up, and then you just yeah. keep saying them, and then eventually people... You just keep saying it. It's true, right? Evan Van Ness since. <laughs> you got to pause, and then it makes sense. Um, I'm sure he's never heard that. I don't think he has. I think that's pretty original. Um... Arthur Falls, thank you so much for letting us uh, release your amazing show. We get good response from that. Uh, Mackie, releasing Block Channel regularly. We got another good one coming from Decentraland, uh, which is basically like going to turn humans into goo because you can live on the internet. So um, be excited about that one. And um, we do a lot of things now. So we're just a content mega, mega power horse. Um, Corey, if you don't have anything, we can wrap it up. Wrap it. Play the outro.